Hello, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. Our mission in this world is clear. We're here to love God and love people. We hope you enjoy this podcast. <laughs> Merry Christmas, now go home. No. <laughs> hey, if you're just joining us, uh, we're, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and we would even go as far as saying welcome home. Uh, we are in a series called uh, Christmas Classics with a Twist. And I don't know about you, if you were in charge of putting all your favorites, uh, if we've even hit them, but we've, we've uh, done a, a lot uh, in these last few weeks about dealing with the heart. So we take these Christmas classics and we twist them up a little bit. Like the very first week was the Grinch that stole Christmas and we looked at how uh, greed could fill our hearts and really how we need to get rid of that and fill it with what? generosity. And in each series, we, or each sermon, we've done that. And today, um, we get to do that old classic, and I mean the old version, of Miracle on 34th Street. And that leads us to the topic this morning of miracles. And so before I pray, I'd like to ask you a question. Ready? Do you believe in miracles? Let's pray. God, it is so good to be in your house. It is so good to witness a miracle just now with the changed life of Michael. And God, just continue to watch over that man and guide him and use him as light. God, for us that walk in here, you know our hearts better than anybody. And so God, I'm asking that you would help me with my heart, that you would help us with our hearts. Meet us where we're at, take us to where you want us to be. God, I, I pray that um, this time would be glorifying to you, but also be a time that would be uplifting to us and encouraging to us. I want to say thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. We love you and praise you in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. So when we talk about this topic of miracles, and I, I know just using that word, we, we would all define it in different ways and have experiences with different things with that. And some of us, uh, that, that just that word irritates us this morning. And some of us, it's like one of those, oh my gosh, I forgot. Or, oh my goodness, I will never forget kind of moments. So what I wanna do is just remind you that, that, that the greatest miracle story is really what we're celebrating here in a few days. The greatest miracle of all was the birth of Jesus. And I'd like for you to open up your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter two. And if, if you don't have a Bible with you and you want one, uh, just raise your hand. These fine gentlemen are gonna make their way down. Uh, I just wanna say this, like I do almost every week, that this book has authority of this heart. This book has authority over this heart. This is God's word and God wants to speak uh, to us today, amen? So we're gonna go to Luke chapter two. And we're going to go to verse 1, and we're going to read part of the Christmas story as what we know to be the Christmas story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And then in verse 3, it says, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While uh, they were there, the, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was what? There was no room available for them. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you what? I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For who? For all people, and that's really important, that's even you this morning. This good news is for all people. I want to... Um, Go down to verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace. Let's read that together. To whom, to, uh, to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. I think this is an incredible story. As a matter of fact, I think it's, 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 it's the, if we were to line them up, this is the greatest miracle story for you and I today. The birth of Jesus Christ, and some of you go, well, what's the miracle in it? And, and you just need to read before. <laughs> you need to read Matthew chapter one. You need to read Luke chapter one. And you'll see this young couple pledged to be married. Need to be G-rated. Did not do what typically you do in order to have a baby. But you see, this is a miracle. And if you look at the definition of miracle and you look at the, the, the Greek word, one of the Greek words is simian, which means miracle with a message. Miracle with a message. It also can mean a, a miracle with meaning. And I think this is really, 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 really important as we talk about miracle from here on out. It's miracle with a message. It's miracle with a meaning, which may be a little bit of a different definition that the world has given to this, or maybe a little different definition than what what, uh, you have given to it. So what I want to do in this message is share two, two actions that I believe all of us should take. And you may disagree, and that's okay, but I want you to at least ponder this. I want you to at least consider this. The number one action is believe in miracles. You see, when I ask the question, do you believe in miracles, I think a lot of people would say yes, but I think there's people in here that would say no, and that's okay. But I wanna, I wanna say this pastor believes in miracles because I believe in God Almighty. I believe in miracles because I believe in God Almighty, because he has the power over nature, he has the power over evil, he has the power over sin, he has the power over government, he has the power over death, he has the power over hell, he has the power over the grave, and we can keep going. That's why I believe in miracles. Where I can't, and you can't, and they can't, he can. Let me say that again. Where I can't, and where you can't, and they can't, he can. That's why this guy believes in miracles. As a matter of fact, Genesis 18.14, Genesis 18.14 says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, right out the gate, God spoke this place into to being. Creation is a miracle, Amen. Look to the person on your left. Look to the person on your right. Look at the person on the stage. We are miracles, amen? Come on now. Now, you might not have looked at that person on your left or right this morning as a miracle. (laughs) Maybe a pain in the butt, but, but, but we're miracles. We're miracles. Have you ever stopped long enough to ponder and think about that? You and I just did not happen. 
That is a miracle. I, I, there's so much I could share. I, I was, as I was writing this sermon, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have made a month series out of this. But uh, here we go, okay? So, so I believe in miracles. I, I really believe you ought to believe in miracles because you believe in God, the miracle worker. So with that, the book of John, I mean, we, gosh, we could go to Moses, right? Parting the Red Sea. We could go to we can, we can go to the walls of Jericho falling down. We could go Meshach, Shadrach, surviving, being in the fiery fire. I mean, there's so many things. I want to go all the way to the New Testament. And I want to go to the book of John. And, and, and the book of John is interesting because in there, John is probably one of my favorite, not one of my, John, the gospel of John is my favorite gospel. And part of it is because he, he paints word pictures. I'm a visual person. And so, so John, John is known for uh, talking about seven miracles in, in, in the book of John. And, and those miracles included the first miracle uh, in Jesus' ministry of turning water into what? Turning water into wine. And, and then you continue reading through the book of John, and you're going to see he, uh, he healed a, a noble man's son. Uh, then you'll see the, the, the story of the, the man that was paralyzed, and he healed him. And then, and then the famous one that I think a lot of us know about is the feeding of the 5,000, right? Where, where he takes a little boy's sack lunch, and he feeds 5,000 plus people, and they got a to-go bag, all of them, on the way home. Okay, maybe it was a basket. And then you've, got the, then you've got the story of the calming of the storm. And then you've got the story of the opening of the blind, the, the blind man's eyes. And then you've got the story of the raising of Lazarus uh, from, from the dead. This is, this is God's power over, 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 over all things that you and I don't have power over. And we see these stories over and over again, and we go, oh my gosh, that's right. You know, if, if God could do that then, he could do it now. And, and then we bring that into our lives with excitement and with passion and with hope, and, and just like I will want you to, but, but I'm going to share some things in a little bit that's going to kind of bring some uh, uh, foundation to that kind of thinking as a matter, so it doesn't just kind of float out there. But there's that one story that I said, uh, and again, we could look at all of them, but let's look at, turn to John chapter 9. Just, just one of the seven miracles. Uh, I could have used any one of them, but I chose John chapter nine. And, and you look at John chapter nine, verse one, and it says, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? You know what, church? As much as our culture's changed and some of the things about our culture stinks, this one, I'm so glad is not there, at least for the most part. But in that culture, if you had any kind of defect, if you had any kind of physical problem, you couldn't see, you couldn't hear, you couldn't walk, you know what the immediate assumption was? It's right there. Who sinned, you or your family? Oh my gosh. So if not, not just having that physical ailment was bad enough, you've got this whole thing like you are a sinner. And your family are sinners. And you guys are bad people. And that's why you're in a bad situation because you're bad. Ugh, that's ugly, isn't it, church? So then it goes on, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents said he was born blind. Jesus, I love this. Neither this man nor his parents, ding dong. (laughs) Is that in your Bible? (laughs) If it's not, it should be. Neither this man or his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the work, check this out, 
so that the work of God might be displayed on him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the what? I am the light of the world. You know what's exciting about that? We started a new tradition a couple years ago for Christmas Eve. Is uh, We do a candlelight service here. If you don't have plans for Christmas Eve, come join us. 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock. It'll be packed in here, all right? But it'll be awesome. And we get to talk about Jesus as the light of the world. And after this, this is so cool. If we have any little boys under the age of 12, don't use this as a scripture to justify your actions at home. But after saying this, he spat on the ground, (laughs) made some mud with the saliva, ew, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home what? Came home seen. Do you believe in miracles? Well, if you ask this man who was born blind and could never see his entire life, he had this encounter with Jesus and he went from being physically blind to physically being able to see. But what was more important is I think the spiritual blindness left him that day too. Are you catching on? Come on now, church miracles. I believe in them. You know why? And I'm not going into it, but many of you know my story. And if you want to know my story, I'll I'll tell it to you anytime. But the truth is I should have died without Jesus. 18 years, many, many opportunities to say yes to Jesus, but sports was too important. And I never said yes. And I fell asleep on the, um, 134, going about 70 miles per hour at 1 o'clock in the morning in the fast lane. Went across all the lanes, went through a fence, drove on a side road later that we found out for about 200 feet. And just before a huge cement pillar, the cops showed me skid marks that turned right. I was asleep. You got to think, this guy definitely believes in miracles. I should have wrapped around a pole that night and it would have been bad from there on out. You betcha, I believe in miracles. I, um, I think about uh, the lady that came to me 10 plus years ago. Gosh, gosh, it's probably close to 15 now. I was associate pastor, and she said, for whatever reason, she goes, Pastor Rob, I want to meet with you. All right. So I meet with her, and she goes, you know, you're getting into missions a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I am. And we're taking teams to different places, and we just got back from Chile. She goes, um, talk to me about that. Well, what she didn't know is God had just put it on my heart when I left Chile uh, on the plane that God said, you need, to, you need to start a church in Chile. Let me just tell you, uh, with 100% <laughs> truth, I never thought of about starting a church anywhere, let alone in a foreign country. And God had laid that on my heart, and I thought, eh, and, and he put the person in my mind, and then I had just dealt with going, you know, what if, right? And I came up with a number. It was $10,000 to bring this family out here, pour into them for three years to at least get that started, the $10,000 number. Didn't tell a soul. She meets with me, asks me to talk to me about what's on my heart. I says, well, and by the way, there's this thing, you know, I just got back from Chile. I mean, literally, I said it like this. And, you know, I'm thinking about maybe we might do something. Well, tell me what you're thinking. And I told her what you're thinking. Then she reaches into her purse, 
pulls out an envelope and hands it to me. And she goes, I want this to go towards that. I didn't mention any numbers. I just said what the vision was, and I said, I said you know, where it was. I put it in my Bible, and as any good pastor would do, when she left the room, I pulled that thing out. <laughs> and I'm like, man, is this like $100 towards this? I mean, is this like, it would be crazy. Because honestly, I'm just going to shoot straight. This is a woman that would not have the means. And $100 would have blown me away. I open up the envelope to that pre-written check. And you already know what the number was. It was $10,000. This guy believes in miracles. God called me to go into the ministry. I, I had a whole different direction. I had zero money and went into Bible college, and they weren't going to let me in because I had no money, my dad had no money, my mom had no money, no uncles had money, no aunts had no nobody had money. And Darren Skates could attest to this. We were in the financial office, and the lady looked at me like, well, we'd love to have you, but you don't have any money. <laughs> I'll just say this. When I graduated after four years of Bible college, I owed this much money. So here, here's the question. Do you believe in miracles? This guy believes in miracles. Now, I love this story that I came across. It's, it's do, uh, Dr. Scarborough, president of uh, then uh, Southwest Western Baptist Church. He had just got done preaching a sermon on uh, Jonah. And, and on the way home, uh, his little son said this. He says, uh, Dad, um, do you really believe a fish could swallow Jonah? And the dad thought for a moment as he's driving, he said, son, if, if God can make man out of absolutely nothing to begin with, God create, can create the first sea creature from nothing. Don't you think that God could create a fish that could swallow a man and he could live in there for three days? Here's the little boy's response. Well, if you're gonna bring God into it, that's different. And that's what we're talking about, isn't it? We're not talking about coincidence. We're not talking about kumbaya. We're not talking about, you know, um, you know good luck. We are talking about miracles. And, and the only way miracles happen is from the miracle worker, God himself, who is above all. And we always have to put him in the equation. Amen? So yes, I believe in miracles. But I also believe something else. And it's not that I just believe it. I've experienced it many, many times. They don't always happen. They don't always happen at least the way that I want them to. As I stood by my mom's bedside in the hospital, or my dad, or as I've stood by many of you have had some really hard times, and we've prayed for miracles. And the truth is, they didn't happen like we wanted them. And like I wanted them. 
And that's what's hard. With preaching a sermon like this, isn't it? I wish all miracles would happen for all people the way we want them to. I really do. But you know what I've learned in walking with the Lord for over 30 years? God's existence, God's purpose is not to fulfill my wish list. Let me say that again. God's purpose is not to fulfill this guy's wish list. And what I've learned is that I could go and ask whatever I want to ask. But after asking, I'm trusting in him to do what is best. And sometimes that wish list is not answered the way I want it to because we all have free will. And let me even go out on a limb and say something that may not sit true in your heart. But maybe things don't always happen the way God wants them to either. Because he's given us free will. So, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. And I believe you should believe in miracles as I believe you should believe in God. But let me speak to some of the danger that is out there. And again, this is this guy's heart, and I hope you'll love me anyways. But I think some people, when they hear a one-sided message on miracles, it drives them further to God, further from God than to God. Why? I've identified two dangers. Just me sitting in my office with the Holy Spirit and just seeing life and, and listening to this over and over again and experiencing it myself. Here's some of the dangers. And you know what's scary about some of these dangers on miracles and how it messes up our relationship with God? Is they don't come from the outside of the church. It comes from the inside of the church. These, these, these negative things that I'm gonna share that I've experienced is not because some outside people have said this, but it's within the church, and I mean the church worldwide. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, one, one of the things that, that's happened in, in Christianity, and because <laughs> what's seen on TV is real, right? But what's seen on TV also as Christianity is perceived as real also because it made TV. I'm just gonna say this in love, but there's some garbage on TV representing Christianity, especially in regards to miracles. Now, please hear me. You heard this pastor believes in miracles. I believe God did miracles, and I believe God does miracles, and I believe God will continue to do miracles. 
But when miracles are quote-unquote performed, performed so that man is lifted up, it is not miracles. When miracles are performed so that man can make money, it's not miracles. The reason miracles happen is so that God could be glorified. Did you catch that? And yet, sometimes in desperation, and I get it, I've been desperate myself. In desperation, we will do whatever we can do so the outcome comes out the way that we want to do it. But again, God is in the business of miracles not to fulfill a wish list on our end or to line the pockets of men and women, but it's to glorify him. The other danger in miracles is, is, um, <laughs> is, and this comes from different denominations, is this whole idea that that miracle did not happen in your life because you don't have enough faith. Church, that will send me to a very bad place. We had a man that um, was a part of our church for a very long time, his family. And many revered him, many looked up to him, they still do, would say that he was a man of incredible faith. He had literally a life-threatening disease. And I'll never forget after preaching one Sunday, and I was kind of doing the college ministry at that same time, and some great kids in there, young people, (laughs) And, and, and after the sermon, there's about three or four of them uh, that had this gentleman kind of in a corner, which is kind of funny. And, um, and they're just talking and, 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 just, and he's sharing about how he's still struggling and how he hasn't been healed yet and, and he's still doing all the things that he needs to do. And one of these college young men, he's probably late, early 20s. And by the way, he'd been going to our church and another church, so he just go, went back and forth. And, and, and then really, it wasn't about what church. He should have just been reading his Bible. I mean, yes, you need to go to church, but I'll never forget. He looked at this man of faith, this great man of faith, and said, the reason you're not healed is because you don't believe enough. My friends, you find the darkest moment in your life, whether it's health or finances or relationships, and you have a Christian walk up to you and say, you, this is not working the way you want it to because you don't have enough faith pop them on the side of the head. No, just kidding. Because <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. I took, that, I took that young man and said, what in the world are you doing? So, I, I believe in miracles, 100%, but we have to be careful that, that we aren't drawn as that person that's getting attention. And by the way, if you want a story of that, go to uh, Acts chapter eight, uh, chapter eight, verses nine through 11. You'll look at a guy named Simon, uh, the sorcerer. Here's this guy that was doing all this magic and all this wonderful stuff. And he comes to know the Lord. And then he sees one of the disciples uh, doing all these amazing things and laying hands on people and healing them. And you know what his, his statement was? <laughs> I want... I want the same power. (laughs) There it was again. I want the same power. Why? So God could be glorified? No. So what? So I could be glorified. And again, that's homework for you to go home and look at. Here's what I want to get to. John. The very end of John. He has all these miracles and he talks about all the miracles. And at the end of John in chapter 21, he says this. Jesus did many other things. Isn't that crazy? 
I mean, we have what's recorded here, but there's so much more that Jesus did. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Did you see that? He did many other things. But you know why? You know why these things were written? These things were written so that we would believe in him. That's why miracles happen, my friends. Not to point to man, not to fill our pockets, not to point to women, not to point to power. It's to point to God Almighty. And if you look at the seven miracles in scripture, every one of them pointed back to God the Father. And so we may not get the result of the money or the healing or the relationship or the neighbor that will move. But everything is to draw us closer to him. And that leads us to our second point. Trust in Jesus. Believe in miracles, but trust in Jesus. By the way, there's a great book that I got, I don't know, probably 15 plus years ago. It's actually called Believe in Miracles, but Trust in Jesus by Adrian Rogers. It's a great read. Old read, but a great read if you want to dive into this a little bit more. You see, Jesus performed miracles for the sole purpose of drawing people closer to him. And sometimes that's, that's hard for us to accept. But at the end of the day, if everybody was healthy and did not know Jesus, so what? And if everyone's bills were paid and nobody knew Jesus, so what? Anything and everything, continue to believe in miracles. Please pray for them. But ultimately, remember, it's the trust in Jesus. And the greatest change, the greatest miracle is, guess what? A changed life. I I wrestled with this one, and then God just slapped me and said, yep. And then I said, well, okay, I'll I'll send a text to this person because they've moved just to see if they'll let me do it. They'll say no. They said yes. We're closing the service in a totally different way. I showed a video about 12 years ago here. We haven't seen it since. It's a story of a miracle. This sat right here. Draw your attention to the screen. Grab some popcorn. remember living in this grayscale it was it was kind of like you were walking and you were watching yourself live your life I was 25 when I started using drugs to be honest there's nothing good about the second shot the third shot the fourth shot the first shot was it they chased me for quite some time I had quite the evading police charge all right, this is, if this is it, this is it, you know what I mean? She was upset with God, she didn't even believe there was a God. I've pushed the limits and I've pushed it so hard that 
It's amazing I'm still sitting here today. I live my life in grayscale. My parents were addicts, alcoholics. My grandparents who raised me were raging alcoholics. And I was a crystal meth addict. When I was 25, this is where I lived. In a car, in this park, always loaded. Everything was just dark, dark and grim. Like I couldn't make anything bright. Like good things would happen and I, I couldn't see them for the good things. I still saw everything as dark. I was 25 when I started using drugs. I never had touched a drug. I mean, I had kind of dabbled, like I had smoked weed and it was never for me. I always got really paranoid on it. After I had graduated from college for my second time, I got my BA, I pretty much was like going through a really, another one of my events, I'll call them. I just, I had no answers. And so I thought the easiest way out, since I had already tried to commit suicide so many times, was to start using a drug. And it, my friend had actually introduced me to it. And he was, it's funny, they come up to you and they, they almost introduce it like it's some cool toy. They just go, all right, here we go. I got the new stuff of the month and here it is. And I was like, well, okay. So I ended up using cocaine for a long time, quite some time. Um, in garages and basements. Like I just, it wasn't really fun though for me. I, I didn't enjoy it. Eventually the cocaine, I got tired of it. And he had said, well, I have something new. I have something exciting. And I was like, okay, what is it? And it was crystal meth. And so methamphetamines are totally different. It's a whole different kind of high. Um, obviously when you're snorting it or smoking it, it's, it's kind of the same, but you know, when I started intertwining and mingling with people that were wrong for me, like, you know, the gangs, the, um, you know, tough life, what we'll call it. I mean, these people were all users. And so it was really easy for me to say, oh, look, here I am, I'm in a predominantly white gang, you know, blue eyes, brown hair, and you can feed me drugs. Now, I'm six feet from the edge and I'm thinking. They started <laughs> giving me needles. They start, I mean, any way that I could get it. But when I tried the needle, that was it. I was hooked like crazy, hooked. Let me just put it to you this way. You're always chasing a high. You're always trying to get that first high. Um, the first, the very first feeling you get, it's just like extreme warmth just runs through your body. I mean, you don't, you don't know how to control things. And I remember feeling the heat come up to your throat almost to the point you can't breathe. And I remember starting getting so scared, but there was something about it that I wasn't scared. I was just like, all right, this is, if this is it, this is it. You know what I mean? Um, but being on crystal meth is, is a whole, a whole new ball game. I mean, it's not like you're just out there, you had one hit of weed, or it's not like you just did one line of coke. I mean, one syringe, one shot full of crystal meth is a whole new ball game. To be honest, there's nothing good about the second shot, the third shot, the fourth shot. The first shot was it, you know? And, it, and I kept trying to chase that first shot. And, you know, you, you don't eat, you don't, you don't sleep, you don't drink anything really half the time. I remember I would walk the streets. I'd walk the streets for hours. I would look for people trying to come after me, cops, whoever it could be. I had cameras set up in my window so I could see each way down the balconies to make sure who was coming. I mean, it was constant paranoia. And I, I think it wasn't so much the drug that caused the paranoia, but the being up for so long, you know, seven days, eight days, 14 days. I mean, 14 days was the longest. Um, 
And the hallucinations, I mean, it's just crazy. You think people are everywhere, or you think people are watching you. I mean, there's so many times I've tried everything, and I've pushed the limits, and I've pushed it so hard that <laughs> it's amazing I'm still sitting here today. One day, uh, about four years ago, I was um, at my desk uh, preparing a sermon. And I, anytime I receive a new email, there's a little noise that goes off. And usually I ignore it. But for some reason, I turned around and looked at the computer screen. And this time, uh, it caught my eye because the heading said something along the lines of, this may be weird, but. And so I turned around, I clicked on it, and it was an anonymous email from someone that said that I had coached them many, many, many years ago and that life was very hard for them and they were struggling. So I thought it was Natalie. So I immediately went back to my computer and I typed in, uh, is this Natalie? And she responded, uh, yes. And uh, I found out where Natalie really was at that point in her life, which was really dark, lost, hurt, alone and that's what I saw in her eyes. I just knew this was the beginning of something that was going to be important and I, I, I looked at her and I asked her to look at me and I said, Natalie, you may not believe this right now, but you are absolutely beautiful in God's eyes and he has not given up on you and you are special and you may not believe that right now, but one day you're going to absolutely believe that. And she, she didn't really acknowledge it. I mean, there was not a whole lot of emotion there, but it was a good first con contact. I had never worked with someone that had been so involved, so deep in drugs and in gangs and kind of some issues with the law. But I just felt like I got to keep going after it. And I had a few people praying for the situation. And we, um, we just kept at it. It was during this time Natalie, I think, was in and out of jail still wrestling with getting the addictions of drugs out of her life. Uh, she was living in a car. She stopped living in the apartment during this time. And there's just a lot of darkness, a lot of hallucination, a lot of um, emptiness and hurt. It was beyond anything I could do. And I uh, just would pray, just ask God, and I'd ask my life groups to pray for a girl. I wouldn't give, her, give them her name, but um, it was a process. She was upset with God. She didn't even believe there was a God. Finally, I convinced her to come to Journey, and uh, right where we're sitting here in this auditorium is where Natalie first uh, came to church again. And uh, I remember she walked into church, and she sat in the back row. And she actually sat in the back row for probably the first five, six months. Um, later, she would tell me that oftentimes she would do drugs in her car or in the, in the church bathroom just to get the courage to come in. She'd sit there in the back, and honestly, it seemed like she wasn't really paying attention. I didn't, you know, it just seemed kind of this blank face and stare. But later those nights or the next day, she would send me emails and talk about how she was being impacted and how she felt like God was speaking to her heart. And, you know, bless her heart, she would continue to do the very thing that was hard. And uh, we would talk, right? And we would um, discuss a little bit about what I preached on and then her continued journey with, with God. There are times where you absolutely um, respected me and, and sought my counsel, and then there was times that you were just livid with me 
and felt like maybe I wasn't there or, uh, or giving the right answers. Eventually, um, through a lot of prayers and efforts on uh, Natalie's part, um, Natalie uh, gave her life to the Lord, right? But then do you remember what happened? She got arrested. She got arrested. And um, you were like, wait, I gave my life to Christ. What am I doing getting arrested? And uh, so we dealt with all that. And then she walked into Bible study at my house. She's like kind of hard and a little upset. And, and I said, what's going on in front of the group? And she says, I just got sentenced and I'm going to jail. And I'm not sure <laughs> what it was, but God just kind of put it in my head. And I, <laughs> she's going to hit me. I smiled and I said, that's awesome. And she was like, but I gave my life to Christ and this and that. I said, Natalie. I said, just because you gave your life to Christ doesn't mean that you don't have to pay for some of the stuff that you did, you know? But here's the deal, Natalie. I love this. I said, Natalie, you're going to be a missionary. She's like, what? And I told the whole group, I'm like, Natalie's going to be a missionary. And they're all kind of like, what? I'm like, well, Natalie's going to prison. So um, we're going to send her as a missionary to prison. I mean, you weren't excited about going back to prison, but at least it gave a different take. This woman next to me is very strong. She's not perfect, just as I'm not perfect, but she's got an amazing testimony of what God does in people's lives and how God changes people's lives. After I talked to Rob on the computer and after we kind of got together, you know, he showed me what God really was. It wasn't just that it wasn't something tangible. It was that there's tangible things all around you that, you know, you can feel the wind move and you just know that that's God breathing life into your lungs. God can pull you out of anything. It doesn't matter where your situation, your circumstance. He can bring you up and, and just give you a new beginning. Pretty much going throughout my whole entire life, there was always something missing. I was always trying to, to fill the depression, fill the anger, fill everything, fill this void that I had inside of me. And the only thing that could fill that was Christ, was Christ's love. Today I'm married. I'm a mother. And I am blessed. I never realized life could be so beautiful when I stopped living in grayscale. There's probably 25, 30 people that lived that story with Natalie. Today, uh, some 12 years later, Natalie married, great guy, family, serving up in a different state that they moved to, serving the Lord, leading Bible studies. You see, church, God is in the business of miracles. And the greatest miracle is the transformed life. My question is this, have you said yes to Jesus? And if not, why not? Because Natalie's just one story of hundreds that sit in this room of what God has done in our lives. Amen? Amen. Believe in miracles. Trust in Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for blessing us and reminding us yeah, it's cool to see water change to wine. But you came to see the life like a Natalie turn from darkness to light. 
thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. And your love that you